Hey, this is Dr. Patty Sadala. Welcome to my Experience Jesus podcast. In this how-to episode, we're going to take a deep dive into Psalm 4610a, the extended version. We will look at each word as an emphasis as we read the short verse and truly look at how each word of the extended version adds a different layer of understanding about the capability that you have in Christ to find and live in peace. The simple verse that most people have memorized of Psalm 4610a is simply, Be still and know that I am God. When I was a student at Christian Leadership University, the very first class that is required for every student, regardless of what you're taking, is communion with God. This is a class that we learned the dialogue journaling skill that we practice on this Experience Jesus podcast. There are many verses that needed to be memorized in every single class, and Psalm 4610a was on our list for this one. Dr. Mark Verkler called this the extended version, and I'm not actually sure if there really is a version called the extended version or if Dr. Verkler simply looked up every version of the Bible that he could find and looked at the different words that were used to describe be still. We were required to memorize this version of Psalm 4610. And here it is, 4610a. Be still, let go, cease striving, relax, and know that I am God. There is so much more meat to this verse when you add those additional descripting words. So we're going to look up each one of those words in the extended version in the lexicon of the Bible and see how much more the Lord has for you in it. Be still, kasha. To be silent, quietness of being, hushed. To sit still, and another word is shakat, which means to be quiet, undisturbed, and at peace. When I listen to these defining words, I imagine the Lord holding up a finger over his lips and whispering, shh. And it reminds me of a story about Elijah in the Bible. Elijah was running from Jezebel, who was out to kill him and he hid in a cave. 1 Kings 19, 11 and 12 says, Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was a sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. Well, from there, the Lord answers Elijah and gives him great direction. Some versions of that verse call the whisper, the still small voice of God. God did answer Elijah with that still small voice. Have you ever noticed that when you completely quiet yourself down, you can pay attention and hear things 
and see things that were always there, but you were unaware. Quieting yourself down is the number one key to being able to connect with the Lord in this state of relaxed attention. To be still is not just a physical posture, it's a spiritual one. To silence distractions externally would mean that you are sure that your physical atmosphere is quiet and that you will not be disturbed. To quiet yourself internally, you would quiet your mind and your thoughts so that they are not louder than God's voice. You must learn how to surrender your mind to hush your wandering thoughts. Which brings us to the next word in the verse that we want to focus on, let go. The word for let go is shamat. It means to let drop, to let it rest, to throw it down, to release it. It's about surrendering all that hinders. It's all that stuff that is not of God and not for you. This can be accomplished by writing down the things in your mind that your mind wants you to think about in the moment when you want to be seeking God's face. List them and tell yourself that you'll be able to address them later. But right now, you want to give your focus and 100% attention on the Lord. Sometimes deep breathing helps as well. In the Guard Your Heart episode of this podcast, which I will link below on the pattyej.podbean.com site, we talked about John Bevere's book, The Bait of Satan, where he shares the enemy's strategy that as you hold on to offenses out of a sense of entitlement, you create a bondage. The negative sin energy between you and that person who offended you often grows day by day if you don't forgive them. The bait is not actually the offense. It's about your right to be offended. You feel like you're right and they're wrong and you simply cannot let it go. It's about the enemy convincing you to justify your anger related to the offense. This is something that will absolutely hinder you and needs to be surrendered. So when you find yourself in prayer ranting and raving at the Lord about something truly justifiable, offense, you are not properly posturing your heart to be still and know that God is God. The episode called Healing Your Emotional Wounds shows you how to allow God to lay those things down. We'll link that one below as well. The next says, Cease Striving. To cease is kadal, and it means to refrain, to stop, and to hold back. And then there are a few words for striving. One is rayuth, which means grasping after, longing for, and then reeb, which means fighting, quarreling, vigorously pleading your case. And shadar, which means to struggle, to wrestle, to try, to labor. Anything that you do in your own strength is a dead work, and there is no God power behind it. Many people strive for God's approval or his love, trying to prove that they're worthy of his love. This is not how love works from God. God loves you because he is love. 
and you are not actually a factor in his loving of you at all. So when you do things for God instead of with God, you're doing them out of your own strength and not his. And when the rewards for all that effort don't come the way you want or when you want, you can begin to get resentful, burned out, mad at God, and at the very least, confused about how things are not working out the way you wanted them to. Jesus has a bit more to say about that one later in this episode. Our next word is relax, which is rakaf, to grow soft, to fall limp, to become helpless, to let go, to subside, to move gently. For me, this is a picture of surrendering. I'm not talking about the stick em up kind of surrendering, but rather more like an image of a child comfortably laying its head against its parent's chest and allowing the comfort of that embrace to make them go completely relaxed. It's a physical quieting where your muscles release all tension and your mind releases its stressful thoughts. It's aided by deep breathing and brings you into the alpha brainwave state, which is the channel of God's voice. Brainwaves are measured by frequency, which is cycles per second or hertz. They range from very slow to very fast. Alpha waves are 8 to 12 hertz and fit in the middle of the spectrum between beta and theta. Alpha is a state of alert relaxation and fosters creativity. Children from the age of 2 to 8 live primarily in the alpha brain state. They are too young to worry and simply go with the flow and live a life of play and creative imagination. Your brain produces the alpha brain waves when you're not concentrating on anything in particular. For example, when you're driving and realize that your mind's been wandering, but you're still able to keep your eyes on the road, you're an alpha. You may have noticed that some of the most creative ideas that you think come from you are happening in the alpha brainwave mindless times of your life. Doing dishes, just vegging out, not really doing anything in particular, and then you get crazy inspiration to do things. This is the alpha brainwave. It's important for this verse because that is the channel of God's voice. And when your mind is not occupied with other things, you are able to hear his continually speaking voice. And you're able to tap into it, especially when you can learn how to put your body in that state and directly ask him. The next part of the verse is and know, yada meaning an intimate knowing, experience-based knowing, making himself known, to recognize, to know assuredly, to make, to understand. I asked Jesus to show me the difference between someone who thinks they know him and someone who really knows him. And he said the difference is, One knows about me, and the other knows me intimately. Let me show you what I mean. Then Jesus showed me a man in a desert. He had chapped lips and a distressed look on his face. 
He frantically looked and thought he saw water, but he kept walking and realized it was only a mirage. Jesus said there was no real water, only something that looked like water. It's good to know what water looks like. It's better to be able to drink it when you're thirsty. To learn only about me is like showing a hungry and thirsty man a picture of a magnificent banquet, but there's nothing to eat or drink. Seeing the picture may bring some benefits, but he is left ultimately unsatisfied. The actual need is unfulfilled. This is what it's like to learn only about me. The spiritual need to know me is even greater than a man's need for physical water. A mirage is an illusion, a trick of the eye, caused by light refraction and heat waves. Knowing only about me is a trick too, but it doesn't fool the soul. The soul knows its true need for God. To truly satisfy the hunger and thirst of your soul, you must drink deeply of the living water. Water is refreshing, rejuvenating, and restores more than you can see and feel. Come and drink deeply the living water. You must eat the food of my presence, too. You must enter the Holy of Holies where you can encounter my presence. I've gained you direct access to the Father by way of the indwelling Holy Spirit, by my work on the cross. Do not neglect this privilege. This is accomplished by you spending time with me. Consider John 17:3. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. To truly know someone is an intimate thing. To know only about something or someone implies a knowledge from a distance. It is not my desire for you to know me distantly or haphazardly in a third-party sort of way, as in only through the work of a pastor or a preacher. You cannot know me without personally drawing close to me. It is through steady communion with me, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and being in the Word of God that you will truly know me. And knowing leads to trusting, believing, and obeying, which are fruits of the eternal life you now have. It's just like knowing anyone personally, really. To trust someone, you need to spend time with them and learn who they are and how you can rely on them. After some time, if I feel safe, I tend to want to spend more time and then come to trust them. If you're like me, you'll spend most of your time with people you like to be around, people who build you up, encourage you, and show you love. And no one does that better than the Lord. The Lord said, yes, the difference between knowing in your head and surrendering in your heart is clarified in James 2, 19. You believe that God is one. You do well. The demons also believe and shudder. The demons know who I am, of course, but they do not accept and surrender to me and have no intimate relationship with me. This is a very important distinction. Remember, I live in your heart, not in your head. The last part is that I am God. The I am God is the fullness of Yahweh. It is the isness of God, that is, who he is apart from you and me, who he always was, is, and always will be. They call these the omni-truths of God. 
the omni-truths are God's nature, and the fruit of the Spirit is his character. So there are four omni-truths, omnibenevolence, omnipotence, omniscience, and omnipresence. The Encountering God in His Creation episode goes into each of these omni-characteristics in great detail. We'll just look at them extremely briefly. Omnibenevolence is summarized in Romans 8, 38, and 39. For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor things present and threatening, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I remember researching the word benevolence in the power thesaurus, which is a crowdsourced resource where people simply put in the words they think of when they hear a word. And the interesting thing for me about it is the word benevolence included all of the fruit of the spirit words. It was so fascinating. The fruit of the spirit, just bunny trailing off on that, happens to be God's character. Galatians 5, 22 to 23 says, But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. It is produced in us because what's happening is we're tapping into the very heart of God when the Holy Spirit dwells in your heart. So when you tap into the Holy Spirit in your heart, you are accessing God's heart, which are characterized by the fruit of the Spirit and the omni-characteristics. The second omni-characteristic is omniscience. God is the source of all knowledge and wisdom. We learn in Matthew 10.30 that the very hairs on our head are numbered. And in Psalms 147, 4 and 5, we learn that the Lord knows the number of all the stars and calls them all by name. Scientists estimate that there are between 150 and 200 billion stars in the Milky Way galaxy, of which our sun is but just one. So there is nothing on earth or in heaven that God doesn't know. And you can tap into his knowledge in the spirit because the word says that he has given us his nature. The third characteristic is omnipotence. This represents God's all-powerful nature. Hebrews 1.3 says, The sun is the radiance and only the expression of the glory of our awesome God, reflecting God's Shekinah glory, and the light being the brilliant light of the divine and the exact representation and perfect imprint of his Father's essence, upholding and maintaining, propelling all things, the entire physical and spiritual universe, by his powerful word, carrying the universe along to its predetermined goal. The next is omnipresence. God is everywhere present. This includes all space and time, and 
he exists outside of space and time. This concept is hard for us to understand as we live in a linear time-space world, but we are also spirit, and there are certain things about us in the spirit that are simultaneously true here. Ephesians 2, 6 says, And he raised us up together with him when we believed, and seated us with him in heavenly places, because we are in Christ Jesus. And Hebrews eleven three says, By faith, that is, with an inherent trust and enduring confidence in the power, wisdom, and goodness of God, we understand that the world's universe ages were framed and created, put in order and equipped for their intended purpose by the word of God, so that what is seen is not made out of things that are visible. I asked the Lord to help pull this whole thing together for us, and this is what he said. In order to live out the commands of Psalm 4610a, you must know me first, and then you must know how to quiet yourself down internally and externally to connect with me. You must learn to know me well enough to trust that I am who I say I am and that my ways can be trusted. And when you trust me, all your cares will be laid at my feet. Learn how to pray according to my will, because it's in your best interest. Don't fight against me and my best for you. Being with me leads to believing me, which leads you to trusting me. So once you trust me, you can let go of your self-control and allow me to give you my best for you. The extended version of Psalm 4610a is about allowing me to be for you so you will not get in your own way. It's ultimately about fixing your eyes on me and not on your circumstances or your limited knowledge of what's happening. So let's begin at the end of the scripture with know that I am God. And if you begin here and your eyes are fixed on me, and you're reading the word to learn the truth of who I am so you know how to test it, you will begin to see the truth of who I am and my omni-characteristics, and my promises lead to your being able to be still, let go, cease striving, relax, and know that I am God. It's all about allowing me to bless you. Then the Lord gave me a vision that's really helped to gain understanding about this verse because it's really about learning how to relax our control. The Lord showed me a rubber ducky in a river. It was flying down the stream, quickly guided by the water. And the Lord asked me, how much power and self-effort did the rubber ducky contribute to its journey? And I answered, none, Lord. And he said, this is the level of trust and surrender that I desire for you. I navigate the waters, not you. I know that you're concerned about the issues of your life. This is the lesson you must learn in all aspects of your life. What you eat and drink and what you do and your relationships and what you work on. Don't be tempted to take matters into your own hands. If you want victory in all areas, you need to let me do the driving. There are missed blessings when you shut me out, even if it's unintentionally. 
but you don't get there by trying harder and striving with me. I am the blanket that covers your whole life. It's not like little departments where you can have control of some and not control of others. You need to allow me to have access to all of you. Control is a myth anyway. I am in control of everything except your free will to cooperate with me. Releasing your notion of control is the secret to resting and not striving. The more you come to intimately know me, my nature and my character, and my will for your life, the easier it will be to live freely out this verse. Before we dive into our encounter today, I wanted to take a moment to ask you for a blessing. If you have learned some new things and have drawn closer to God by this podcast, please pray for the Lord to multiply it and allow the Lord to pop a few names into your spirit for whom you could share this podcast with. Simply text or email them the link to the pattyej.podbean.com site and let them know why you've been blessed by it. And please check out my books, journals, and downloadable resources at pattysadala.com shop. And remember the code EJPOD to receive 10% off everything, even the stuff already on sale. And remember, they make great gifts too. Thank you for blessing me by your prayers and for being a listener to this podcast. If this is your first podcast experience with us, you may want to go back to the trailer episode and learn about the biblical foundation for dialogue journaling, our process for experiencing Jesus. This leads you through the first special place encounter with Jesus as a child. This is a starting point for all of our experiences with Jesus. For best results, it is always good to properly posture your heart for your experience by welcoming Jesus' presence with praise and thanksgiving and playing with him in the special place as a child for a few minutes before asking for anything from him. After playing with the Lord for a few minutes in the special place, meet him and have him show you which of the key descripting words in this verse you have the most trouble with. Is it to be still? Is it to let go of something? Do you need to cease striving? Do you need to relax? Or do you need to know that he is God? Allow him to show you what you would look like if you overcame that specific area so that you could live out this verse in freedom and victory. Take all the time you need and record it all in your journal. Well, I hope you got a little bit more insight from the Lord about what you need to do to live out Psalm 46.10 and that it means a little bit more to you than you thought it did before. Would you like to know how to go deeper with God? I want you to prayerfully consider attending the Deeper Spirit Life Workshop May 12th to 14th, 2023 on the shores of Lake Erie near Cleveland, Ohio. God's glory has the power to transform you in an instant. What could God do with you and through you if you learned how to quiet yourself and gaze long enough for God's glory to transform you? Gazing is a long look, while glancing is a short one. 
When you gaze at Jesus, he gazes back, and his glory flows where his eyes are fixed. In God's glory, there is peace, healing, and clarity of purpose and direction. Learn how to stay in God's presence long enough for him to transform you into the Christ you that he died for you to become, your Christ's perfected identity. You can expect expertly facilitated Jesus encounters and plenty of time to connect with God in this workshop. For more information and to register, check out spiritlifeworkshops.com. We hope to see you there. And I hope you will join us on this podcast adventure. Follow this podcast and forward it to others that you think may be blessed by it. And check out all the links below. They are designed to take you deeper. I thank God for you and bless you in Jesus' name.